Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 28. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. If you were with us last week, we pointed out in chapter 27 that David has been running from Saul for approximately 10 years. And for us, it's been about, you know, six or seven chapters. But for David, it's been about 10 years. David is growing weary. He's tried, he's tired, and he's exhausted. And we talked about last week, let me have your attention. We talked about last week that David's faith is failing. And David is discouraged and he's feeling defeated. And in the place of discouragement and defeat, David made some bad decisions. As David was tired of running and so he found refuge in the city of Gath. Now Gath is one of the five major cities of the Philistines, Ekron, Ashdod, Escalon, and Gaza. And the king of Gath is Achish. Goliath is from the city of Gath. David has no business in Gath, but when you get tired and exhausted, discouraged and depressed, you make some really stupid decisions. Somebody say amen. And when David got to Gath, now he can get some rest because Saul stopped chasing him. But although he's resting and not running, he's outside of God's will. He's resting, but in a place of compromise. He's resting, but being disobedient. He's resting, but he's really worse off because now David has to submit to the brutal, hard, cruel Philistines. Look at chapter 27, saints, and look at right about verse 5. So David... And the 600 men plus women and children, cats and dogs, show up in the city of Ziklag. Ziklag is a Philistine city. Achish is the king. And so David goes to Achish and he says, listen, we don't want to stay in the royal city. Is there a smaller city that we can stay in? So King Achish gave, gave David the city of Ziklag. Ziklag is outside of Israel. Ziklag is outside of the promised land. But more importantly, Ziklag is outside of the will of God for David's life. So David and his 600 distressed, discontent and in debt men and their wives and their children, they move into the city of Ziklag. I told you last time that Ziklag represents a lack of trust in God. If you don't have that written down, please write that down. That's important. Ziklag represents a lack of trust in God. Ziklag represents disobedience. Ziklag represents mixture. I told you that God hates mixture. Yes, God does hate some things. People say, well, God doesn't hate. Yes, God does hate some things. And God hates mixture. And what I mean by mixture is not black and white people mixing together. Somebody say amen. Not biracial mixture. God hates mixing the ungodly with the godly. Or the believer and the unbeliever. God hates that. Ziklag represents a huge mistake for David. 
because David is infecting his people with the world. Listen, David is disobeying the word of God, and yet, saints, listen, he feels secure, and he feels rested in the city of Ziklag. He feels secure, and he feels rested, and he has a false peace, and it's a false security. Remember I told you the whole time that David is in Ziklag, he stopped writing songs and worshiping God. And if anything that has really, really stuck with me, oh, are y'all listening to me? Is there anything that really stuck with me over the last several weeks um, in, in Samuel is the fact that while David was in Ziklag, he never wrote a psalm. That, my friend, is very telling. That's very telling. That means his heart wasn't really right with the Lord. That means his heart wasn't connected with the Lord. That means that he wasn't really in fellowship with the Lord because David, we call him the sweet psalmist David. David wrote psalms. That's what he did. He wrote songs and he sat out on the hill and wrote songs. As the deer panted for the water, Psalm 42 so my soul longeth after thee, you alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship thee. David would sit out there and write those songs and just sit and worship and fellowship with the Lord and listen to God, and God would speak to him, and he'd write down whatever what he was feeling, but not in Ziklag, not in Ziklag. Not one psalm was written in Ziklag for 16 months. David is out of fellowship with God. And maybe you're here tonight. And maybe you've been out of fellowship with God. Listen, you can be sitting, listen to me. You can be sitting in church and be out of fellowship with God. Now, y'all know I'm right about that. You could be sitting in church and be out of fellowship. Just because you're in church does not mean you're in fellowship with God. You could be sitting here every Wednesday and every Sunday, and your heart is as far from God as a person who doesn't know him at all. Don't fool yourself. Don't lie to yourself. If you lie to yourself, then God really can't help you. If you tell yourself the truth, and God can help you. So maybe you're here tonight and you are carnal. Man, Pastor Rodney, you hitting it hard tonight. Yep. Go right for it. Might as well. We're here. <laughs> Say amen. Might as well. Y'all getting a whooping tonight. <laughs> Y'all gonna walk out. Ouch. You're sitting in church, you'd be out of fellowship with God. Last week, got to move on because we didn't get much done last time. We did not get much done last time, but tonight, we're gonna, I'm going to finish this whole chapter. <laughs> well, I never... <laughs> Yes, I am. You watch me. Just because you said that, I'm going to finish this chapter. Because you know what? You know, listen, I got the microphone, right? All right. I could be on verse 16 and say, you know what? Look at verse 25. <laughs> Y'all don't know me. Don't play. All right. Samuel is dead. 
And the Philistines are happy, and no doubt, before he died, he told Saul to put all the wicked people out. Well, look at verse 3 in chapter 28. Saul put the mediums and the spirits out of the land. And last week, we came as far as verse 4, and we're going to pick up right from there in verse 4. I've titled this sermon, From Seance to Sermon, Part 2, 1 Samuel chapter 28. Saints, we're going to pick up in verse 3, and then we'll... Stop somewhere and come back and have some comments, okay? First Samuel chapter 28, and look at verse 3. If you look at verse 3, say amen. Now Samuel had died, and all of Israel had lamented for him and buried him in Ramah in his own city. And Saul had put the mediums and the spirits out of the land. Now the Philistines gathered together and came and encamped at Shuman. So Saul gathered all of Israel together, and they encamped at Gilboa. And when Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was what, saints? And his heart was trembling greatly. And when Saul, that's, that's important. You'll know why in just a second. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, and the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by the prophets, then Saul said to the servants, find me a woman who is a medium that I might go and inquire of her. And her servant said to him, well, in fact, there is a woman who is a medium at Endor. And so Saul disguised himself and put on other clothes and he went and two with him and they came to the woman by night. And he said, please conduct a seance for me and bring up for me the one I shall name to you. And then the woman said to him, look, you know what Saul has done, how he has cut off the mediums and the spirits from the land. Why then do you lay a snare for my life to cause me to die? And Saul swore to her by the Lord saying, verse 10, as the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. And then the woman said, whom do you want me to bring up? And he said, bring up for me. Who's ain't? Samuel. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice as if she didn't know he was really coming forth. And the woman spoke to Saul saying, why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. And the king said to her, do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I saw a spirit ascending out of the earth. And so he said to her, what is his form? And she said, an old man is coming up and he is covered with a mantle and Saul perceived that it was Samuel and he stooped with his face to the ground and he bowed down. Now Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? And Saul answered, I am deeply distressed for the Philistines make war against me and God has departed from me and does not answer me anymore, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore, I called you, Samuel, that you might reveal to me what? I should do saying, stop right there. Give me your attention. Saul put all the mediums and the demonic people out of the city, according to Samuel's instructions. And meanwhile, are you listening? And meanwhile, the Philistines are gathering together at Shuman to fight Israel. Remember in verse two of chapter uh, 28, Remember in verse 2 of chapter 28, he said, David, uh, look, at, look at verse 2 in chapter 28. Uh, Achish said to David, David, we're going to fight Israel. And you know you're going to battle with us, right? And David said, oh, king, you know what I can do. But listen, 
David never promised the king that he would help them fight Israel. He actually avoided the question. Now look at verse four. The Philistines gathered together to attack Israel at Shuman. Now listen, Shuman is a very strategic location. If you're taking notes, you might want to write down, just jot down a few things in here. Shuman is a very strategic location. Shuman is the most northern Philistine city in the Jezreel Valley. Now, if you've been with us to Israel, you know where I'm going. We were able to, to go up to Mount Carmel. You guys remember we went all the way up to Mount Carmel, and you can actually see as far as Mount Tabor, it is a vast, vast, huge valley. So Shuman is the northern, uh, most northern Philistine city in the Jezreel Valley. Shuman is about 20 miles north of Aphex. Look at verse 5. Verse 5 tells us when Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid. Think about this, saints. Before the Spirit of God left Saul, Saul was a courageous, strong, bold man. I think of 1 Samuel chapter 11. Were you with me? 1 Samuel chapter 11, the Ammonites wanted Israel to allow them to put out one eye, the right eye, and serve them. And Israel said, they said, well, give us seven days to think about it, and we'll get back to you. Now, that is the strangest response in all of Scripture. Somebody says, hey, you know what? I want to put out your eye. And you say, you know what? Let me think about that, and I'll get back to you in about seven days. That's just weird. Let me think about it. I'll get back to you in seven days. Well, when Saul, y'all know the story. When Saul heard about it, he said, I don't think so. The Bible tells us that the spirit of God came upon Saul and Saul cut a yoke of oxen in pieces. Remember, it was a great story. Saul cut a yoke of oxen in pieces and sent it to out of all Israel. And it was a message. If you Israelis don't come out and fight against the Ammonites, I'm going to chop you up like this oxen and send you out all over the earth. And the Bible tells us that more than 300,000 men of Israel came out to fight. And that was a courageous move on Saul's part. Pre-departure of the Holy Spirit. Post-departure of the Holy Spirit, along with Saul's, Samuel's death, Saul is fearful and faithless and afraid and ready to have a heart attack because the Philistines are ready to fight. Listen, here's the problem, and you'll miss this if you don't listen carefully. Listen. Saul had been fighting the wrong enemy for so long, i.e. David, when the real enemy shows up, he's unprepared. He doesn't know what to do. Now, side note quickly, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, you might want to write that down. We are told that we are not ignorant. We Christian folk. We are not ignorant of Satan's devices. And one of Satan's devices in his bag of tricks is to put your spiritual eye out. Is to gouge out your eye. Which, if you gouge out someone's eye, that spoke of completely debilitating them and taking away their depth perception and take away their peripheral vision. If you take away peripheral vision, you are useless for battle. Interesting, the right eye in the scriptures represent or is symbolic of judgment or assessment. 
Satan wants to gouge out your right eye because he wants to take away your ability to spiritually discern and assess and judge and evaluate a situation. He wants to take away your perception and your ability to make good decisions. He wants to take away your ability to see God's plan clearly. Don't you get that? Satan wants to make you a slave and make you a one-eyed warrior so then you're useless for the kingdom of God and you're carnal and you cannot see. That's Satan's devices. He wants to put out your right eye. He wants to completely debilitate you. Well, be that as it may, well, look at verse five. Saul was afraid. Why? Two things. Number one, write it down. A guilty conscience. Proverbs 28.1. The wicked. I love this verse. I don't know that I've really ever seen it before. Proverbs 28.1. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. I love that verse. Galatians 6 tells us you reap what you sow. Listen, young folk. You don't have to like it, but it still remains true. You will reap what you sow. You cannot, young folk, old folk alike. I'm just talking to young folk because young folk don't seem to understand. You reap what you sow. Pray for me. You reap what you sow. If you sow good things, you'll reap good things. If you sow bad things, you reap bad things. You cannot... Sowing the law of sowing and reaping is a, 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 a spiritual law that cannot be broken, just like the law of gravity cannot be broken. You cannot break the law of spiritual reaping and sowing. In other words, you cannot escape your past. And if you, listen, if you have sex before you get married, then you're going to have a baby. And you're going to be somebody's baby mama. And you're going to be, or you're going to be somebody's baby daddy. And you're going to be single and pregnant. That is a law. You can't escape it. So the answer to that is not condoms. This is a grown folk Bible study. That's why we send the children down to the children's ministry. That's why we don't want the kids in here because they, they, children don't need to hear this type of topic. So when you invite your friends, tell them, Pastor Rodney might be talking about something that's not child-friendly. That's why we wouldn't put your kids down there. Amen. Amen. And we buy a lot of goldfish so your kids can enjoy. <laughs> and a lot of animal crackers. Amen. Amen. You cannot have sex outside of marriage and, 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 and not expect to get pregnant. You can't have sex inside of marriage and expect not to get pregnant. <laughs> I, I am. I'm trying to preach. <laughs> My point is you, 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 you cannot. You will reap what you sow. It is a law. You cannot escape it. And it's alarming to me. Think about it. It's alarming to me today how people talk about, you know, uh, baby mama. I'm, you know, that's my baby daddy. That's my baby daddy. That's my baby daddy. That's my baby daddy. 
as if that's a cool thing. Isn't it true? It's almost like we, we're trying to make it a cool thing. Let me tell you something. I don't care what the world tells you. It is not cool to have a baby daddy. That is not cool. That's not cool. And we all understand a baby daddy means outside of marriage. Let's keep it clear. It's great to have a baby daddy if you're married. Amen. Look at your neighbor and tell him, now he's preaching. Now he's preaching. Because I know I'm right about that. That's okay. But, but it's not cool. It's not cool to have a baby mama. All these, what's going on in the world today is not cool. It's not of God. And it's hurting our children. And nobody's talking about that. Nobody's talking about the fact that we have real problems in our world today. And real problems among our youth today. And something needs to be done about that. Not handy them condoms and tell them to go use it, but, but give them some substance and some information and some, some, some accountability so that this, this idea of your, your baby daddy or if you get pregnant and you don't want the baby, well, then just go and abort the baby. And Y'all know I try my best to stay away from political issues. But this one is not political. This one is biblical. God judged nations because of their killing of tens and tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of babies. God has judged whole nations. And by the way, I can prove it. When's the last time you've met an Amorite? Well, what are you, African-American? What are you? Uh, white. What are you? A Philistine? You have not met a Philistine. Tell me you know a Philistine. You don't know a Philistine. And the reason you don't know a Philistine, the reason you don't know an Amorite, the reason you don't know an Amalekite, the reason you don't know an a, a Ammonite is because God wiped them off the face of the earth for their disobedience and largely for their killing of children and babies and disobedience to his word. God wiped their existence off the face of the planet. Bible students, where you at? That's true. That's true. Saul is reaping what he has sown for many years. Saul has a terrible past of rebellion against God. Saul has repeatedly turned his back on God. Saul turned his back on the word of God. Saul knew that David was going to be the rightful king. But over and over, Saul tried to kill David, knowing David did nothing. So Saul is afraid, and rightfully so he should be, because sin kills don't, under, don't, don't misunderstand. Don't misunderstand. You can repent of sin and be forgiven. But if you do not repent of sin, sin kills. Ungodly people are bound by fear. According to Proverbs, they run in terror when nobody's chasing them. 
Search the scriptures. There's a definite connection between sin and fear. There's a definite connection between sin and fear. Saul is looking at his army. He's afraid because he knows God is not with him. And the reason God is not with him is because he has not been with God. You can't expect God to bless you if you don't do things his way. And whether it's your business or your tax returns or your relationships, you want to meet somebody and get married, but you're looking for love in all the wrong places. You're looking in the club. Amen. Don't look in the club for somebody. Don't look in the, uh, 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 what's the, what the, any other place in church. That's what I'm saying. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.